0: if you're a founder building a company you're going to eventually have to start hiring executives to help you scale the people you bring into your leadership team can make or break your startup i'm nigel robinson with build talent and in each episode we'll be speaking with a founder or expert as we discuss the art and science of hiring leaders why it matters and how you can keep up welcome to the gradients podcast Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Gradients podcast. Today, I am joined by Matt Birnbaum. Not a lot of people that are as experienced in tech recruiting as this man. He joins us from uh, Pear VC, where he's now head of talent. But prior to that, he was the head of talent acquisition at Instacart for four years and scaled that company from 300 to 3000. Prior to that, he ran his own recruiting firm where he consulted and partnered with over 25 growth startups that we know, like Stripe, Thumbtack, Plaid, Benchling, and then prior to that also led recruiting for Wildfire Interactive, where he grew that company up to 500 before it was acquired by Google. And uh, he has come to share all of his opinions and uh, his experience with us today. So thank you for coming on, Matt.
1: Awesome. Thank you, Nigel. Excited to chat with you everybody.
0: bud. Good. Well, so let's start at where you're at today. You've had a lot of startup experience. Scaling experience, high growth experience, now jumping into VC, what's kind of your charter there and how are you thinking about it?
1: You know, still creating it a bit as we go along, but coming to Pair to really hopefully build something that feels a little bit different than kind of what exists in VC. I think one of the things that I am most excited about is really diving deep into the weeds again with a lot of our founders. At Pear, we are a seed stage firm. So all of our focus is very, very early stage. So really being a key part of helping shape some of these businesses, just pumped to get back into the weeds there. What are we doing here? And what have I been asked to do? So what we're really trying to build is what I feel is a VC talent function that can get at the heart of what our founders need. And at seed stage, it's pretty simple. Founders are at a point where they're very early in product and business direction. They've taken usually a check. And with that check, that purpose is to really build what that next step in their growth is. It's our job to really help enable that success through talent. And so what that means is two things. And this is really my charter. We actually want to be in a position where we can make a handful of critical hires for each and every one of our seed investments. And two, we want to make sure that we're putting these companies in a very, very strong position as they continue to hire in the future. Obviously, we're not gonna be able to make every single hire for them. That's not the goal. That's not the muscle we wanna help them build. But we do wanna be in a position where we're putting a lot of those fundamentals in place that will allow them to be equally as successful when we are less hands-on from a hiring perspective. So the charter is both to make hires directly and enable future hiring to happen effectively. And I feel that's very much in line with the value prop that these founders are looking for that frankly, for every VC, that in an ideal world, every VC would be able to provide that. But for various reasons, uh, most VCs don't.
0: Yeah. And I think that's something that we can dive into. But I guess at the seed stage, are these companies that are typically within call it zero to 50 employees, or is it even lower than that oftentimes?
1: Yeah. Good question. Much, much, much smaller. It'll vary a bit. So some of the things that are interesting to note is that some of our investments are actually international, and what we've noticed is that internationally, these companies tend to have a, a bit more traction across the board when it comes to kind of them being at a seed stage or how they're defining seed. And so, oftentimes, that means these are like ten to twenty person companies that are really looking for kind of that next step of growth. That might be more analogous to somebody raising a A, a in in the valley, for example. Most of the companies we're partnering with are two to five people. And so the hires that we're looking to make for them, we feel are truly critical in kind of their ability to take that next step. We're talking first engineer at times. We're talking somebody that's going to shape the product strategy, somebody that's key to operations. A lot of these companies aren't even at a point where we're talking about go-to market or anything like that. Right. So when we think about really the biggest single lever that we can really... A pull to accelerate a company's growth. It is in those first critical hires. It's probably analogous to later stage company bringing in a first seasoned exec, right? Like that's how impactful these hires are. We're just doing it at the ground floor, where like you need somebody to actually be hands on and build that product for the very, very first time.
0: And how does that? Engagement typically work. Is it like one of your portfolio companies comes to you, hey, I need this critical hire? Or is it more you sit down and you're trying to figure out, walk them through the idea maze of what the next critical hire is?
1: Yeah. So I'm going to speak honestly in hypotheticals right now because it's a team of one, just me. And I think the goal is to be in a position where coming out of this year, we're a team of four or five. But what we're building towards is as soon as you sign that check, one of the very first things you do is you sit down with me and my team. And the idea is that you may already have an idea of who you want to hire and what you need. You may not. But as part of that first step, we're going to sit down with you and understand the company vision, the product roadmap, and what you need to get there. And we're really going to help shape that entire journey around what do the next five to 10 hires look like for you? What is the right way to prioritize those hires, meaning which should come, Before and which should come after one another. What is the right profile? What are the right ways to get these people in the door and everything kind of that's going to be involved in hiring these folks? And so we're really sitting down and seeing ourselves as kind of a strategic kind of resource to help with, not just like hire me this front end engineer or hire me this full stack or back end or AI ML engineer. The goal is to really be part of that creation process around helping these founders truly understand. Okay, what is the best talent or what is the best approach to talent and how are we going to get there? we the goal is to be very, very involved from it as soon as kind of that that check is signed.
0: Yeah, because I can imagine a founder maybe who is not quite sure what their priority is, or they bring you and they say, Matt, this is my top priority for hiring. And then you take a look under the hood and you're actually like, No, actually, I don't think that's where the highest leverage point is. What I guess, where do you start in your thinking? You know, you've been through a few growth companies. You've helped uh, countless founders kind of figure this talent piece of their business or of their job function out. Like, where do you even start when you're thinking about that?
1: In terms of how we're going to build it within the VC or specific to the conversation we're having with founders?
0: In conversations you're having with founders, like when you sit down, like, how do you start to even dive into their thinking?
1: Yeah, good question. So I think this is where I kind of the a recruiter in me comes out. And I got my start in sales and like way back in the day. And one of the first things I always was told was to ask questions and listen. And I think it's very similar. I think the goal that I have going into any conversation with my founders is really understanding their current state and their current approach and really taking it from there. Sometimes you'll be in conversations and the founder knows what they need or they know what the hurdle is. And it's really my job to just connect the pieces and keep things moving forward. Other times, it's a lot more than that. It's really to be the one that's actually asking the questions to do the digging, to identify the issues and then create the path forward. I love that part of the job most really being able to uncover kind of where a company is, where things are going well and potentially where there are opportunities for improvement. And then really being kind of side by side with the founder using that knowledge of what they're doing and what's working to carve that path forward. I think one of the things that... It's really easy to fall into a trap of is being super prescriptive with kind of what advice you give founders. I think one of the things a lot of the VCs have to do specifically in talent is find ways to create blueprints that they can really, or playbooks that they can say, Hey, founder, you're here, reference this, this will get you to the next step. Like, I get why that's important for the VC, right? They need to figure out how do you support X amount of companies at scale. And the only way you can do that is, or one of the ways to do that is to operationalize that in a way where you can not spend five to 10 hours with the founder, but do it in 30 minutes or an hour with a playbook. But if I'm being honest, like, I have learned in my career that, like, it is hiring isn't a one size fits all model. And I think the people that are best at this job are ones that can go in quickly understand current state, understand the core issue, and then map a path forward using that information around what that specific company needs. There are, of course, certain things that hold true at any company across recruiting talent, you name it. But if you apply that same framework or blueprint to everybody, like it's not going to work. And so I think one of the things that we're challenged to do and many VCs are challenged to do is figure out how do you deliver what needs to be a high-touch very deep understanding of a business to carve that path forward. How do you do that at scale? Right. I think we can get into this a little bit later, but I think that the reality is, and this is where I think a lot of VC VCs and, and specifically talent functions, because that's kind of where I live and can speak to, kind of in, in with some deeper knowledge. That's where I think a lot of the, these firms fail: is they're trying to do too much with too little. And so, what you do instead is you create kind of shortcuts or scalable paths to get there. And I think you're shooting yourself in the foot because you are delivering something, but the quality and exactly what you're delivering, I think, isn't what isn't what the founders or people need.
0: Yeah, I can see that. And what I guess on that need, what is it that a founder? If I'm a founder, I'm going to different VCs. I'm looking at kind of the talent functions. What are the things that I should be thinking about? Of what do I actually need from the talent partner? What does a good relationship look like?
1: Yeah, I mean. I want to keep this kind of the framing of this as positive as I I possibly can, but I think it's important as a founder, if you're doing your diligence to understand the incentive and or motivator for having a talent function or by extension of that, a platform team, right? What is the VC's incentive for actually building that team? I've talked to a lot of my peers in this role. I look before committing to kind of moving from an operating role to VC, and and I'll frame it this way: like I think my role in a VC is very operational and is very similar in an operating capacity. At least that's what I'm gunning for, or that's what I want to build. But I think really understanding why that function has been built at the VC and what specifically you can expect the VC to deliver in the same way that if you sign a term sheet, you expect a certain amount of money to hit your bank account in a certain amount of days. There are very specific things around kind of what that looks like, right? And that's a transactional piece, right? That's the cash exchanging hands, but there's a lot of value add that people come to VCs looking for. And I think traditionally the value add has been like, who is writing the check? Who is the investor? What comes with that, right? What is their expertise in the area? What have their success points been? Who have they invested in previously? You're looking for these really high signal things and say like, this person is going to not only cut a check, but they're going to do things that will accelerate my business. I think as, as firms get bigger, and I think this is where it becomes more difficult, like everybody, you've got a great investor, you can't make more of them, right? So you're trying to essentially scale their time by bringing in great people that can provide additional value add in other areas. And I think What you're finding is in those areas that are value-add, so talent team, other members of the platform, what truly are they supposed to bring to the table? And why I spend so much time focusing on this is like, there are a lot of people in these roles that just aren't in a position where they can deliver what founders need, right? Like as a founder at a seed stage company, the reason why we're building what we're building at Paris because we truly believe that at this seed stage, the most valuable things we can deliver are capital and people right and so we need to be in a position where we can deliver on this people bet if you were to go to a founder and say what what is the single thing that you'd love a vc to be able to do my gut is it's i'd love them to make these three or four crucial hires for me right especially earlier stage it's not i want them to connect me to an agency that can do that work for me i want them to introduce me to 15 people in their network that aren't likely interested in working for me but can potentially give me some helpful advice. Yes, that has value. But when you look at like the core piece of a talent function, it's very similar to a recruiting function, at least in my mind internally, like at Instacart, if my boss came to me and said, Hey, Matt, we want to grow the company by a 1000 this year. And I said, Well, hey, actually, I'm going to give you a bunch of onsite interviews, but I can't promise you hires, or I'm going to put a bunch of candidates in front of you, but I can't promise hires. I think that's where a lot of like, there is misalignment between what founders truly want and what these VC talent teams and a bunch of the platform teams are built to deliver. I don't blame that on the people doing the work. I think there's some amazing, amazing people at amazing companies really trying to do their best work. But there's some dynamics around scale resourcing that really make things impossible. So if I'm a founder, I want to know what is this function going to deliver for me? right? And I think really drill down and making sure that that is what they can deliver. Because I think a lot of these teams have been built to win deals. Meaning if I go to you, Nigel, and I say, hey, I've got a marketing team. I've got a go-to market sales expert. I've got a recruiting team. I've got an in-house engineering team, right? And look at this guy. He's super shiny. He scaled this company from zero to to 10,000. This could be you. That's great and all. Like Leverage that expertise. But at the end of the day, if that same group has to support 200 other portfolio companies, like you're not going to get what you need from them, right? Yeah. And so I think that's where, like, as founders, you truly need to understand, like, what is the value that is going to be provided to you, and frankly, what is that underlying incentive of why this team is being created. And I don't think anybody's going to tell you that, hey, this is a marketing function we built to win deals. Right. Like, (laughs) yeah, nobody's going to come out and say that. But I think as a founder, and I think founders are smart enough to ask a couple additional questions, not take things just at face value to really get a sense of what cannot be done. Because the frustrating thing for me in this role and what I hope to be able to like find a way to solve for at Pair, is the consistent feedback I'm getting from founders that I've talked to that have worked with talent teams before is like they want a very specific deliverable and value from us as talent partners and we're consistently not delivering on it. There are exceptions, but by and large, I think there's just tremendous opportunity to figure out how to do this thing a little bit differently. And frankly, to make it a lot better than it is today.
0: Wow. Yeah, I can totally see how it'd be difficult even with the right talent partner to manage those kinds of things at scale too. And you've been the first recruiter. You've been the third party recruiter. Now you're the VC talent partner recruiter. And obviously as a founder, you want to leverage all the resources available to you. I guess, how should founders think about this spectrum of talent resourcing? Like, yeah, do you have kind of thoughts around like, when do you bring in the first recruiter or how should they think about the third party services versus in house? And
1: to me, it's all a, it's a little bit of a math equation, but it can also be kind of this type of math where you're kind of using your get best guesses. But for me, it's all ROI. So that's the conversation I have with our founders time and time again. It's actually the most common conversation I've been having since I've started, which is the common problem people come across is like, how do I create pipeline? Right? Where do I spend my time across all of the areas that I can be spending my time? Where do I start? What's the right amount of time and everything in between? And... I think there's a, a balance between. Actually, it's less of a balance. I think when you're at this stage, what you're really optimizing for is quality candidates. Honestly, at some point, it becomes a, a little bit of a volume game. So, at Instacart, when we were trying to hire, you know, 700 engineers in a year, like we really have to distill this thing down to a math equation that said if we want to hire 700 people by the end of the year, we need to make this many offers this many on-sites, this many text screens, this many phone screens, this much out. We knew the composition of funnel by source. We knew conversion rates. We knew average speed to hire activity that needed to happen at each stage per day. Like That's how precise you break it down to. Wow. That level of precision, I don't think is necessary at this early stage when you're finding and hiring your first couple of people. It really is about quality because you only need to make one or two hires, right? So you don't need to generate 10... Amazing candidates, you really need two or three. And so, where you should be spending your time are the areas or the work that bring you those best two or three candidates for each of the roles you're hiring. What I typically encourage founders to do is focus on the specific areas of the funnel that are going to drive the highest quality with the least amount of effort. Because there are a lot of high effort activities like sourcing, for example that you can generate really high quality candidates, but it's a shit ton of work to get there. Meaning if I need to source 100 great candidates for a role because I anticipate a response rate of 10% at best, right? Right, right. In order to source that quality of candidate, send all of those emails, follow through with all those people to get those couple candidates that are going to be great, There are probably a lot faster ways that you can do that, where you can improve on your response rates, on your quality hit rate. And so a lot of times what I tell founders is like, look at the places you can go get candidates, your network, right? Inbound, which tends to be high volume, low quality for the most part, sourcing high quality, but a ton of effort and time, or then you go higher, you can find a third party to do it. In the form of an agency, whatever way you want to pay them, contingency, retain, somewhere in between, that's probably going to be the least lift for you. But, right, are they going to understand your quality? Are they going to be the right partner? There's a, a big dollar cost associated with it, right? So, is that trade off of what you're paying in dollars worth your time that you're saving? Like, there are a lot of different variables that I ask founders to look at. So, usually my first conversation with them is like, what's your problem? Like, tell me what you're doing today. What's the pain point? What are you optimizing for? Speed, quality, costs, your time, something in between. Get this like verbal matrix out of them or this yeah. information, and then in my head, like construct cool oh, based off of what I'm hearing. You want X, Y, and Z. Here's how we do it. Sometimes it means I sit them down and I say, "Here's the exercise that you need to do in your network," and then you to be very rigid with it. Here's the sourcing exercise you need to do. Hey, ignore inbound, like. People probably aren't telling you that because it's low hanging fruit and like it's easy to get those hires, but like you're wasting a bunch of your time talking to candidates that are maybe not interested in your role. There's just an easy way for them to apply. And instead of interviewing like five people a week from that bucket and spending four to five hours doing that, they'll dedicate that to some other activity. Right. And so a lot of this goes back to what I. Talk to you about at the beginning, Nigel's like this isn't prescriptive, right? Like you need somebody to have that conversation to understand what's going on, to understand the issue so you can create a path forward. Now, the path forward I just described isn't all that complex in the sense that there are only, in this case, four different directions you can go. And then within that bucket, like two or three different things. I think you can be prescriptive once you identify that right path, but somebody dropping a playbook in your lap and saying, Hey Nigel, your founder, we built this for you. It's gonna be helpful, right? You told us you have a, a top of funnel problem. Here's our top of funnel solution. Yeah. Like that's not gonna work.
0: Yeah, it's like a build-it-yourself Ferrari kit or something. Like, <laughs> yeah, maybe I could build it myself.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you told me to do that, the thing would fall apart going uh, 60 miles an hour down to the 101, right? Like it's just and here's here's what I'll add to that. Like I said earlier, there are a lot of really great people in these roles, right? Like I think VCs have done a really good job of finding people that are exceptionally talented in this craft and for better or for worse, kind of taking them out of these operating internal roles, right? But a lot of these people are stepping into roles where the definition of what success looks like is very ambiguous, right? Right. Like their bosses, the people making the decisions don't really understand what recruiting is about and what is needed to be successful, right? Or actually what good recruiting looks like. And so these people are being put into roles with ambiguous kind of job descriptions, ambiguous success metrics, and then they're being asked to do it in a world where the scope is just too damn big for them to do it well. And what I mean by that is like, hey, we're a a stage agnostic or multi-stage firm. So we're making investments all the way from C to D. What I can tell you from my experience is how you make impact at C is incredibly different from how you make impact at E, right? And frankly, the person you need to actually figure out how to do that is probably very different, right?
0: Right, right.
1: So this idea that one person, right, a lot of these teams are one people or two people or maybe three people can solve this for you. It's just setting these folks up for failure in the same way that like, if I'm supposed to support. Companies through their entire duration of their their lifespan, and every year we're investing in thirty or forty more companies. Right, year one I was supporting a hundred companies. Year two I'm supporting one hundred and forty. Year three one hundred and eighty. And my team is not twice as big as it was two years ago. Like it's just not doable. And so, yeah, I think there are a lot of people that VC has a lot of shine from the outside. I think when people step into their role, I think they they've got to feel out for themselves whether this is truly for them, right? Same thing with any job, I think. But a lot of these roles from day one just aren't set up to succeed. And so like, it's a tough place and it's created some weird dynamics as you look at how these talent functions are shaped within each firm. And what I mean by that is like, like I said, they're smart people doing this job. So they realize that if they try to do everything that's put on their plate, that they're not going to be successful. Mm. So you have really smart people understanding that like what they've been put into is going to be impossible. And so what they do is they find a way to say, okay, well, I'm going to focus on these two or three things that I feel I can be successful at. Oh, and are also important for our founders, right? Instead of the other way around, which is what should our founders need and how do I deliver on that? But there's this misalignment between what the people the people that are hiring the talent partners into this role, what they expect and understand from these people versus what they can deliver. And as a byproduct of that, you've got us delivering a talent product in the form of from VCS that's like, I say broken, but it's like not what the end user needs. The end user needs hires and they need to learn how to, and they need to know how to hire so that when you can't spend time with them, they can hire effectively they don't need like 5 or 10% of that because that's what you've had to carve out because that's all you have resources to do successfully. Wow. And so that's where I think there's a, a lot of opportunities for people to kind of go back to the basics. Think about what it is the founders need and, and how you deliver that. And it probably means a couple of things for that, that people won't want to hear. It either means one, you need a much bigger talent team, right? And... A bigger percentage of your management fees are going to your talent team than, and maybe less in the pockets of a few people, or, or what, however that works, right? Or it means you've got to pick your winners. Right. These are our big bets. These are the portfolio companies we believe in, and frankly, are going to go all in on. But that's very, very shitty if you flip it on its head for the founders, because what you're going to hear as a founder is like. You're not one of the five companies we're betting on this year, so you're not going to get help. And the very reason I came to you in the first place is because you promised me you'd give me that help, right? And so this thing is layered, it's complex, but if you drill down into how it works and how these incentives align, it makes sense, right? Yeah. So
0: I'm wondering what the future of this stuff looks like. I mean, with the market, the way it is, we're seeing a lot of VCs pull back from growth stage investing. Seed stage is is humming at the seed stage, just like it really at all stages, hiring is a critical business function. And, you know, I know a lot of talent partners of VCs that are all hiring right now, trying to build out their teams to take this onslaught of uh, of like founder problems coming down the pipe. And so where do you think we go from here? How do you see some kind of resolve to these misalignments or, or are you optimistic, I guess, is maybe a question.
1: I don't know, man. I'd like to be optimistic because I signed up for this, right? I have a tendency to sign up for things that people tell me are too broken to fix. I won't name names, but some of the companies I worked with and went to, that was actually the big draw for me, was proving that I could do something in a world where people said it couldn't be done. And I think that's a little part of this. Who knows? A couple of years from now, I may be like, Oh, I bit off a lot more than I can chew and don't listen to this uh, podcast from... 2022, because I sound like a jackass because I, I thought I could do all of this stuff. But I think the reality is that the analogous, I think it's kind of analogous to how I think corporate teams have looked at recruiting and how that has evolved over the last, let's say, 20 years. And I think we're still pretty early in the evolution of how VCs are approaching talent. But when I started in recruiting, like not a glamorous function, right? Back office subsection of HR, like not empowered, like order taker yeah. and cost cost center earning money that like no one likes to look at the PL, right? And so I've been in the recruiting game for 12 years now and it's changed. Like the companies that truly invest in recruiting invest in them the same way that they invest in their engineering or go to market or whatever critical function of the business needs to be there for that company to grow and succeed. But it wasn't like that, right? It took a lot of time and a lot of mistakes, and eventually somebody came around and realized that. Like, I think is like that a little bit, and I think we're starting to see some of that with some firms really investing heavily, like heavily. It, it may be too much if I'm being honest into talent being this differentiator because if talent is the only thing that's your differentiator as a VC, yeah, it's probably not going to get you as far as uh, maybe you hope it would, but because I think you need to be well-balanced. But I also think talent isn't this thing where you can just like put one person in a seat and hope it gets done. Yeah, And so I think we're seeing people starting to experiment with different models, right? Some VCs won't name names. They're doing like, I'm going to sign you up for like a 6 to 12 month SLA and my team is going to be essentially an extension of your team and we're going to deliver on milestones X, Y, and Z, right? I think that's pretty cool if you ask me, does that scale? Right. Maybe if you're focused only on seed, right? It's one of the reasons I took this position because, like, based on our focus, it really narrowed down and got rid of a lot of those variables that I felt made this job one we couldn't succeed at. But I think people are starting to kind of question the status quo because they are hearing feedback from their founders that what most people are doing isn't adding value in a way that founders needed to. And so we're starting to see the evolution of this a bit more in a way that I think and I hope we'll get to a place where like five years from now, how we're talking about this is very different.
0: Uh, and so it sounds like ultimately, founders will not be able to lean on a VC's hiring or talent function at infinity. Eventually, you have to bring in your own talent person. I guess as we're getting to the back end of this, what are some... Questions or some ways that founders should be thinking about their first talent hire? And and maybe you have opinions too on when or what are the conditions under which you need to bring in that first person?
1: I think the when is probably the easier of those two questions to to, to answer. And once again, I'll say it's a math equation, right? You understand that you need to make X amount of hires per year, right? With whatever setup you have today, which is probably largely leadership Usually the founder is doing the majority of the recruiting. Are you going to hit your goals with that approach? And, or does it make sense if you're spending like 50% of your time doing top of the funnel hiring activities, like, is that where you should be spending your time? You hear a lot of people say like founders should be spending at least X percentage of their time on recruiting Agree 100% earlier stage, probably at all stages of the funnel later stage, or excuse me, is it a more mature company a bigger company, probably at the highest value at areas of the funnel, which are bottom of the funnel. But I think you just need to look around and take a look at your hiring and say, how am I doing it? Where am I spending time? Where am I spending money? And how would that cost or time be offset by bringing somebody in? I think the thing that I have actually really liked hearing a lot of founders ask as well, is like, well, what happens if I don't hire... If I don't know what my 2023 goals are going to look like, or we anticipate a quick hiring push versus a forever push, I love that they're like not looking his people as like disposable in the sense that, oh yeah, we'll run out of hires and we'll just kind of then move on from that person. I think when we talked about the various ways to fill up a top of funnel a while ago, I think there are a lot of really cool like hybrid solutions now that are coming up from like third parties, which focus on building strictly top of funnel the more RPO rent-a-recruiter model, which has been around for a while, but I think people are looking at it a little bit differently than they have. So what I'm seeing is some maturity in terms of what the... Or some evolution in terms of what the third parties offer in a way that it doesn't need to be a binary, are we ready or are we not ready? It can be a little bit of, hey, let's for the next 3 months, try one of these creative solutions, see where that puts us and then determine if we need that full-time recruiter. But I think just first and foremost, those are like that's the the like, is the time right? I think that's what you're looking at in a first recruiter.
0: Because we know not all recruiters are created equal, you know. I know you got opinions on like and and like you said, kind of climbing the growth mountain is a little bit of a different mountain than climbing the seed stage scale up mountain. And I'm wondering if there's kind of patterns maybe that you've noticed whether in your career or now working with founders of like what they should be paying attention to in that first talent partner.
1: Yeah. I mean, the reason that I started my consulting firm and don't remember the year now, but it must have been like twenty fourteen or something like that was things were really starting to pick up. It was starting to get hyper competitive to hire talent. And what I kept on seeing was startups taking like their ops person and tapping them on the shoulder to do the head of recruiting job. That may work in the same way that like you could tap your PM to run all of engineering, right? You're taking a risk and probably one you don't need to take. And so I think part of it is bringing in the right person. And to your point, not all talent partners are created equal or have the same experience. I think you have to have an honest conversation about what type of talent are you looking to hire? Not like... Sometimes you hire and you optimize for speed. And that's a certain type of recruiter. Sometimes you optimize for an unrelenting, unbending quality bar that is a different type of recruiter. Sometimes people architect recruiting processes that are like so specific and perfect in each step of the way that like the process does all the filtering. Other times people just say, somebody throw them in the funnel and see what happens. I think you as a founder needs... The founders need to understand what specifically their hiring values are their cultural values associated with hiring would be a better way of putting it right. and what they're really optimizing for and find somebody that matches that in the same way that like if you hire your first engineer and you're scrappy and not at all resource like you probably don't go hire somebody that spent 12 years at Google and has worked their entire career there right right you need to think about recruiting the same way and so like once again, like I'm not trying to run away from the question here. Like, I don't think there's a, a yes or no or a specific profile that makes sense. Right. Sure, there are some characteristics that probably work well or better than others, but I don't think there's one and only one profile. What I do say is like take a step back before you make that hire, be thoughtful about is it the right time? And then also think about what you're like bar or approach to as hiring. So you find somebody that plugs in yeah. and can see things similarly.
0: Yeah. Because then you can create alignment, basically. It's like as, if you have alignment to what you're looking for and what this person's able to provide, but if you don't know one, can't possibly know the other, I guess, as far as like the whether or not it's aligned. Exactly. Exactly. Awesome. Well, we're coming to the closing strides here. Having gone through all these experiences on multiple sides of startups, different stages, different sectors, what is some advice that you would give a young founder right now about this side of the journey?
1: People tell you hiring is hard and important. I think it's harder and more important than you'll imagine. <laughs> I know that's not like, go get them, but like it is, you know, our super rah-rah, but it's true. Like... We are in a a very competitive environment for talent. Yes, there's some things going on in the market that I think are level setting things a bit, but like it's never going to be easy. And so the way that I think founders should approach this is the same way that they approach every other aspect of their business that they view as critical, right? Have a plan, follow that plan, iterate on that plan, make sure you have the right people accountable for the different aspects of this. I think far too often what I see is hiring isn't thought of until something is breaking because you don't have enough people and you're already 6 months behind where you need to be if you feel that pain, right? Yeah. And so the way you avoid that is you think of and you build hiring into your company's strategic vision and approach in the same way that you're thinking of your product path your path to profitability, all of these things that you hear all the time as being key things founders need to focus on. You've got to get hiring up there in the exact same way or you're going to find yourself behind when you find yourself behind. The only way you catch up is you take shortcuts or you get desperate Mm. and that's going to put you in a deeper hole.
0: Yeah, don't let it be an afterthought. Make talent and the process of acquiring that talent front and center critical piece of the business. Yeah, you got it. Who in the world of startup, hiring, talent, founders, would you most want to take to lunch? Who's someone out there that, that you really admire that you'd like to maybe give some flowers to? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, We who know who's their shit. It does feel, feel funny. So one of my real good buddies is a guy named uh, Jeff Winter, who actually was jose's boss at one point in time
0: yeah we get some good jeff winter stories over here
1: <laughs> i love i love that guy yeah you know, not only is he a great dude but it maybe at times can be a little bit of an acquired taste depending on who you are he he can just figure it out man that guy has i think that's the thing that i respect most if i'm thinking about what makes a great talent leader you can go to one company and have all the success in the world and you can go to the next and you can get smacked on your ass so hard sometimes where it feels like you don't want to get up and you want to run away from it. So I have a lot of respect for people that have shown that they can go replicate that success time and time again, even if it's in a way that's very, very different from how I do it. Even if fundamentally, we think completely opposite about hiring from time to time and we approach a bunch of things differently. I really have respect for those people that have been able to replicate that success in a lot of different places in a lot of different environments, and so he's the one that uh, comes to mind. I make fun of him because he's a few years older than me, and he's like the grizzly, the grizzly the vet, veteran or whatever, right? But
0: yeah, yeah,
1: I'll give him his, his props on this. Like I said, not only do I like him, but I think he's got this innate way to just figure out how to get shit done in tough environments. And he'd be the first to admit there are people that are way smarter than him. Have probably worked for companies that have like shinier names attached to them. With that said, almost everywhere he's gone, he's figured it out. And so, like, that's kind of what I orient against is those people that are just really, really good at what they do and can do it anywhere.
0: Yeah. Can't argue with his results. Yeah. And then, final question What is a a book or podcast that you're reading or listening to right now that that's really hit for you?
1: It's a little weird, but I, um, not weird, just a little off topic. So, there's this. I can't even remember the guy's name. Something Duncan essentially has like this 200 part series on the history of Rome. Ooh! I first, if I'm being honest, got into it as a way to put myself to sleep. Because <laughs> the guy's got a really monotonous voice or a monotone voice, excuse me. And after like, you know, 1030, 1045 in bed, when you're so wired from the day, like you need something to calm you down. But what I love about it is ego's. I'm not finished yet because the last one I listened to, I fell asleep, but like anywhere from fifteen to thirty minutes each, but it's such a detailed look at the history of Rome. I've just always been fascinated by Rome Roman history, all of that stuff it, that I don't know, man, it's just it's just something that I can turn to and it's like right next to me every night, like my pillow <laughs> my wife and it's become such just the mainstay. that's what I do. I'm not a big like uh Reading up on the industry type guy, like, right. here's this guy or this woman knows everything about recruiting. I kind of use my reading in time as a way to get away from everything on a day-to-day basis. And so that's kind of where I have spent a, a good amount of time over the last, I don't know, few months, almost year at this point, to be honest, actually.
0: I'm a huge history buff, so I'm about it. What was, uh, you said the last name was Duncan or is that his first name?
1: Duncan and it's the, the history of Rome. There are a lot of other ones that have like tried to copy it. i tried to listen to some other ones. They're yeah. not even close, but yeah, if you just pull it up on Spotify or something, you'll see it and you learn all this weird, obscure stuff about all these people that you would have never heard of. Yeah.
0: That's awesome. There's a, if you're also into history, I don't know, you probably maybe be familiar already, but Dan Carlin's Hardcore History. Yeah. So good. So good.
1: No, that is like, that's amazing. Yeah, it makes it exciting, right? I wish they yeah. taught us history like that in grade school because that was not one of the subjects that I uh, enjoyed because it was never as exciting as hardcore history.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, Matt, I really appreciate you joining us. I feel like we got a lot out of this, and I hope any of the founders or business partners that are listening got as got as much. Yeah, we'll have to do a round two sometime. Appreciate you again for coming on. Yeah,
1: appreciate it. Thanks, Nigel. All
0: right, cheers. The Gradients is brought to you by Build Talent. To find out more about us, head to buildtalent.io and make sure to search for The Gradients in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Click follow so you don't miss out on any future episodes. And on behalf of everyone here at Build, thanks for listening.